and those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. Frederick Nietzsche. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jason Lundgren. I'm your host here at Secrets of Saturn. Trying something a little different tonight, we're going to have a roundtable discussion on light versus dark. With me tonight is Russell Blattberg, Scott Faust, and Nick Sherman. Good evening, gentlemen. What's up, Jason? Good evening. So, who, Hi there. Who would like to begin? Uh, me, me, me. All right, Russell. <laughs> Why choose the light over the darkness? Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, what do you really, what do you really win by uh, selling out your own species and destroying your own planet? Well, let's, uh, let's expand on that. Okay. What do you mean by selling out your entire species? Well, the fact of the matter is that, in my opinion, at the highest levels, uh, this conspiracy is uh, it's non-human. It's really, uh, it's really alien. And, um, you know, basically, regardless of whether you're American or Asian or wh- whatever, you know, we're all human beings and we all share this planet and we all have that in common. And now if you're going to literally, um, you know, let's say you, uh, you take a job as a chemtrail pilot and you're, you're literally poisoning your own neighborhood for a buck. And, you know, and when you get down from your plane, you know, you're going to be have those heavy metals being sprayed on you, so you're really just fucking yourself over, and you're fucking your kids over, and you're fucking the, the, the next. Sorry, you know, I, you said not too much language, but it's true. It just angers me. Um, you're you're screwing over uh, not only yourself and your family, and like they're the future generations, but like it, it's you're ruining it for everybody. All for what? So you can have like temporarily a little bit more power in a slavery system. It's like there doesn't need, there doesn't need to be a slavery system at all if everyone would just be like, oh, this is stupid. Let's cite a good example of that. For instance, the BP spill in Louisiana. Oh, God. Who wins? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't think that area will ever be the same. And goodness only knows if they even fix that properly. Or, or anything. I mean, if you look at... You know, Hurricane Katrina or Fukushima. Fukushima is probably like maybe the most pertinent example of everyone losing. Yes, because it's still an ongoing problem. Oh, yeah. Scott, you got something to add to that? Yeah, you know, I wish that my answer sounded so sweet, but the, the truth for me, it comes down to finances, man. If somebody came to me and said, here's a billion dollars, we want you on board, that would solve all my problems, and I'd be in. Um, I, I was born this, you know? I was born to have to fight for the light side because it's my rights that are being taken away. I'm in a position where the things that are, are being done affect me and mine. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not so foolish to believe that, that if I was offered, you know, billions of dollars and to be put on the other side of the fence, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't jump ship with this whole thing. And, uh, and I think that's <clears throat> I think that's why you choose light. It's because you're the one that's taking it from behind. You know, you're the one that that's being poisoned. You're the one that uh, you know can't afford to pay your rent, and uh, you're the one that the cops are beating your face in on the side of the road. That's that's why I choose light over dark. Follow the money, man. You know. 
Very good. Nick, what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are that we're, interestingly enough, in a transition to be the first generation in history to shed the shackles of a medieval pyramid structure, hierarchical, uh, basically like the warlords of history, we're going to be the first population that has an opportunity to not be subservient to that uh, elite status, that social order. And I guess the elite, the uh, uh, power elite today consider themselves the... The feudal lords? Well, they yeah, they, they, they go back to Ramses. Right. right. I was going to say they kind of think of themselves as gods. Yes, they God, do. You know, the pharaohs did. They considered themselves the lineage of the pharaohs. So, God's in the jar. And that. Now, here's the thing about what you're saying. Yeah, we fought our way out of a feudal system, but they are actually trying to create a neo-feudalism system because they're destroying the economies, making everything more and more expensive, and they're shrinking the gap between the rich and the poor. Well, that's pretty much the same thing as serfs on the land. You can barely afford to feed yourself and take care of yourself. Look at how expensive it is just to buy real food versus, you know, the dollar plus menu at McDonald's. Well, but even, yeah, and even the dollar, <laughs> dollar plus, yeah, we were just talking about that. Yeah, I mean, you go and take your family out to McDonald's, you might spend 30 bucks. It's not really that cheap anymore, is it? No. Well, but it's not. And it's not nutritious that, either. No. It's gotten cheaper to produce, in fact. Actually, it's the the value of food is reduced because we've gotten so much more efficient at producing it. It just seems more expensive because we're measuring it in dollars. And the dollar is always decreasing in value as well because of quantitative easing and massive inflation due to what the Federal Reserve does with its little games. Well, yeah, because it's a global Ponzi scheme. And uh, as long as you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, uh, somebody's going to get screwed and it's probably uh, Jason and Nick and Scott and Russell. That's right. I never pay Paul. Maybe not Scott. It's like, we, it's like we're about to lose <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> as soon as somebody offers him a better deal, maybe. But uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't you think they really want anyone else on their side anymore. I think they've kind of got what they want figured out. Well, yeah, now it's mostly just about eliminating us which indeed they are slowly doing. Let's let's speeding, name, let's name speeding, off a few ways. Speeding up, speeding up. Yeah, I mean, well, Fukushima is obviously a huge one. You know, the uh, the whole Pacific Ocean is virtually dead or radiated to the point where you don't really want to eat anything out of it, or you you can't know if it's safe. Um, Interesting how it's not even listed in the media very much anymore. Yeah, why would we talk about the biggest uh, global disaster ever? Because, well, you know. Um, it's not about football, and Justin Bieber wasn't there. <laughs> well, what about um, twerking and uh, Kim Kardashian's fucking butt or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I mean, the chemtrails and the fluoride and the vaccinations and the GMO food. And, well, I mean, one of the things Nick and I were talking about a little earlier is how literally, you know, I mean, the trees are virtually the lungs of the planet. And about 70% of the, the Amazon is destroyed. And the the air quality in the cities is so bad these days. I mean, you can see the smog in a lot of places. You go to China. You've been able to see it for decades. I, I, I remember I seeing live, it ages ago. Yeah. 
Yeah, I used to live in uh, I used to live in Manila, and it's uh, it's like literally the world's most populated city, and it's uh, it's incredibly polluted. And you go to L.A., and now L.A. is is turning into like it's kind of Manila esque. It's like only a couple years behind, and uh, a lot of places in China, it's like it's so horrible. Is L.A. getting the greenish smog that you can see hanging like on New York? I remember going to Manhattan a lot, and you can literally see in the early mornings just this green, nasty. I mean, it's beyond a haze. It's it's a cloud of bleh. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. And, you know, almost like when you're in it, you kind of, like, forget about it. But it's only when you, like, leave or you're coming back into it, you can just see it. It's like this giant ball. It's disgusting. Um, and, yeah, I mean, literally, uh, the levels of oxygen now, especially in the cities, are reaching dangerously low levels, like 15 to 17%. Um, where, you know, people are getting literally brain damage because they're not able to get enough oxygen. <laughs> um, you know, another, another part of the problem is like, uh, well, you have literally 1% of the United States population <clears throat> is imprisoned, uh, and 70% of those people are nonviolent drug offenders. You have uh, one in four Americans have been in a jail cell at some point in their life, which is, that's staggering. Now let's talk about that a moment, because that's actually a very staggering fact. Non, um, how did you describe it? Non-violent drug offenders. Non-violent drug offenders. Basically, guys smoking pot, right? More or less. Or yeah, I mean, you do some heroin or whatever. I mean, yeah, that's bad, but... But yeah, they mean, go to prison, and then it's like a school to become a real criminal, not just some ding-dong using drugs. Right. And they come out... And, with yep. this bad attitude, and they've learned things that they wouldn't have learned anywhere else. Yeah, and that's not counting, like, the people who are in the mental hospitals or all the people who are homeless. Um, the homeless population in L.A. is about 3% of the population. That's huge. Um, and then, you know, literally about a quarter of the people in the United States are on some form of welfare, whether it's food stamps or disability or whatever it is. Um, one third of the jobs are government jobs. Uh, the rate of unemployment is fast approaching 25%. Um, to speak to the government jobs, the classes that now get taught, you can get degrees and things such as uh, security work for the government. Yeah, or you can be a... a Homeland you know, Security. Yeah, spy on your fellow Americans or work for FEMA or, yeah, it's a mess. Well, I don't know about anyone else, but that sounds awfully Nazi Germany to me. What, you don't like, you don't like the Gestapo? Do we have a Gestapo? Uh, well, pretty much. <laughs> I think it's definitely leaning in that direction. Well, the thing is, I mean, you know, you said you wanted to follow up or whatever on what happened to me, and we talked about this in the prior show. But yeah, literally one day I was just on my computer and I had the cops show up at my door and they're like, what's going on? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? That's nothing. I'm hanging out at my house. What's going on with you, you fucks? Sorry again. <laughs> um, and they were like, they literally, you know, one of the first things they said is like, we heard you were posting some stuff on Facebook. Or like, and I didn't even know like what they were talking about. I, but I thought like literally it was like, that was it. You know, it was just like, oh, oh like somebody like reported me and that was it. You know, and it turned out that it was, it was kind of, above and beyond that we we went into that in the prior show but um but yeah literally in in nazi germany you could be arrested for thinking un-german thoughts and uh we're, we're getting to that point you know you have it in the in the airports and in all like the uh the metropolitan stations or whether it's bus or train you have um 
propaganda for the TSA, which is basically if you see something, say something. You know, please rat on your fellow Americans. Exactly. For, Big Brother is watching. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and you know they they've told us that the NSA is spying on us with everything we do. Uh, literally, there are traffic cameras at every single light intersection now. You know that just popped up in the last couple of years, and no one really uh, protested that or even you know cares. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it seems like the grid is pretty much. Uh, set up. It's and closing in on us. It is. And well, and the fact of the matter is what happened to me and what we were kind of talking about, again, was that basically, um, well, first of all, you know, it's this whole thing that pretty much anybody can kind of say anything and then the police can act on like this alleged rumor and you're pretty much guilty until proven innocent and you can get arrested or ultimately put in a, a psychiatric uh, facility like a mental hospital totally against your will. And they can just kind of keep you for a while, and they can, they, in theory, they can, I mean, they can definitely force you to take drugs. Um, and, yeah, I mean, basically, when you end up in one of those places, I mean, you may walk in voluntarily, or you may, for whatever reason, but the thing is that, ultimately, they can involuntarily commit you. And one of the things that I learned, and this is one of the things that, um, this is happening with a lot of, a lot of older people is one of the things they can do is, like, let's say you're, like, an old person, and rather than putting you in a senior citizen's home, they can just, like, lock you up in a mental hospital. And what they can do is they can take, um, it's called conservatorship of your money, where basically they can literally just take all your money, and there's and that's legal. Is that basically acting as a power of attorney? Yeah. That's appalling. Yeah. It is. It is. And the thing is that basically when you're in these places, you have no rights um, they, they can, you know, just based on the doctor's diagnosis of you, they can put, and you know, the doctor can say whatever they want. And you have to keep in mind that everything is skewed because they're getting paid. They, it's, this is profitable for them to do this. They're getting so. paid and they make money from the drug companies too. I mean, right. everybody yeah. knows and, this, why they're pushing all the drugs, especially on kids. Well, sure. And you know, all these the, diagnoses, you know, right. Something, oh, oh yeah. Oh there's yeah. something it's, wrong with your kid. Here, put them on this. It's disgusting. Um, and the thing is, the biggest donator at the uh, the private clinic that I was at was Goldman Sachs, and so that, that should tell you something. That but tells me a lot. Yeah, well, literally what, what these places they can do is, um, at least the, uh, the state hospitals or whatever, um, they can ultimately petition the court to force you to take medication, or if you won't take it, I mean, you, you're forced to take it, but if you won't take it orally, uh, they'll, they'll hold you down and inject it into you. And literally... Um, they can just take your quote liberty away, you know, on the basis that it's for your own for your own well being and protection because you're quote a danger to yourself or others, or that you're incapable of taking care of yourself, like you're like a vet, some kind of like a vegetable, or you know you're mentally deficient, basically. You're a ward of the state. That's exactly what it is, and basically, it's under the pretty much the law that like the state is like the king, or it's like your father, and they know what's best for you, and. Um, yeah, it's really scary, and they can just keep you in there for forever. Russell, that sounds like I'm very un-German thoughts. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess uh, I'm not a good American. Like it's like uh, it's like George Carlin said. He said, "I'm not a very good American because I like to form my own opinion. I don't just roll over on command." You know. What were you saying, Scott? I uh, Goldman Sachs. I saw a clip where uh, Reagan. President Reagan is giving a uh, speech, and the CEO from Goldman Sachs is there, and he didn't think you could hear him on the mic, but he tells Reagan, wrap it up, and he walks away, and Reagan ends his speech. 
Well, it kind of tells you who's in charge, right? <laughs> yeah, how about it? Like, if I ever saw something, you know, that was that made it obvious, like you can't, you can't deny that that that's just strange, to say the least. Indeed, if you're one of the normies, if you're one of the normies. So, Russell, that's pretty incredible. I mean, it's almost like some form of uh, suspension of habeas corpus and. Do an extraordinary rendition, taking somebody out of uh, you know their domestic place and taking them off to some dark black site where they can uh, whether it be on a ship or in Guantanamo or out in Abu Ghraib or you know your local mental institution. I mean, it seems like getting a uh, rolling out FEMA camps from this point is just an extension of their model that they've imported from over shores. Yeah, they don't even they don't even need a warrant. They don't need anything now. Between the Patriot Act and the NDAA, they can pretty much point the finger and go, hey, we suspect you of terrorism, and all of a sudden, your precious rights are gone. You're no longer anything. They can take you away, and that's that. And the thing is, more and more and more, what they're doing is they're monitoring the social media sites, and literally, I mean, all of us, just based on what we're posting and sharing on Facebook or or what, you know, things we said, um, that's grounds for, for X, you know? So that brings me to a pretty good question, I think. So Jason and Russell, I know both of you are really vocal, much more than myself, um, as far as putting new content out there for the world. And so why do you think people like myself who just sort of do it amateurly uh, shouldn't be afraid of getting put on a list? And, you know, there is a chilling effect since we're all so well aware now about the NSA tracking what we post. I mean, why shouldn't we have that chilling effect control our decision making? Well, the fact of, the fact of the matter is that if you if you do nothing in the face of oppression, you've you've literally chosen the side of the oppressor, and you know the amount reminds, of tyranny you'll live under is the amount you allow. That's exactly right. It reminds me of a quote from uh, Pastor Martin Niemöller, who was uh, who was a pastor in Nazi Germany, where basically he. It's the famous quote, you know, they came for, you know, the trade unionists or the socialists or whatever, and I wasn't one of them, and so I didn't speak out. And then they came for the Jews, and I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't speak out. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. And, um, you know, fortunately, when I uh, got put in the mental hospital, uh, I was in touch with a lot of people on the outside who were advocating for for me and giving me good information and helping me, because if you're isolated and you have no one who knows where you are or who you are or no one to help you or no one who has the knowledge to help you. Or a lot of the time people, they think that you should be in there. You know, that was the whole thing with my mom. I got out and she was like, wow, they really dropped the ball on that one. And I'm like, fuck you, mom. Sorry, well, again. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Russell. <laughs> when you contacted me, I half wondered if I was going to be taking a trip to Texas to come grab you. Yeah. Scary, man. Because well, I, th- yeah. I really was under the impression like, wow, he's being held against his will. Um, I guess I'm taking a drive. I'm only one state over right now, so. Well, and, you know, I appreciate that you'd be willing to do that because literally um, the balance of everyone's life is, is hanging by a thread. It's like the sword of Damocles hanging over everybody, you know, and that's the, uh, there's this imminent threat and, and they use that against people. But at the same time, you know, they're going to do all this stuff anyway, and it's already too late if you even have these thoughts. It's like... Uh, in, in 1984, uh, Eric Blair, you know, George Orwell basically laid out this uh, this model where, you know, even if you are thinking 
uh, thoughts against the government. Well, they basically have the thought police, you know, to come and take you away. And they have, uh, it's like the two-way TV where the TV's always on and then it's always like, it's always watching you. The telescreens in every home and out in the streets, which they have in London, by the way. And just... It's it's all for control. Like you literally cannot get any peace. You cannot get away. We control you, all, right? And, always. And then they and then they change the whole language and change the whole history. And they're constantly at war. And you know, it's interesting you, know, you said about the language. They in 1984, the the whole point behind the new speak, as they called it, was that they were trying to chop the language down little by little, more and more as years go by, so that you could no longer have the capability to communicate with each other. To even have revolutionary thoughts. LOL, Jason. LOL, exactly. You know exactly where I'm going with that. The dumbing down of the society. The music today with the stuff that Snoop Dogg says, and it's, I mean, it's just, you watch the way that this younger generation and listen to that spells and, and they can't form sentences. Like, I mean, I could see a bunch of misspellings and stuff, but I've been in groups where, where, you know, it's not even me that gets the first shot in, but people telling them like, listen, why don't you sit down and gather your thoughts? Because what you just typed doesn't make any sense. You know, like it's already happening. And as far as, you know, the, the two-way TV, we got that. I'm sitting in front of a little video box here that has a camera built into it that maybe somebody's watching me. Right. Uh, it's It's been on record since 1996, the Telecommunications Act, that there's backdoors built into everything. Anything mainstream, anything commercial, uh, any kind of commercial product, it has been on record. You can go look it up that there's two-way two -way streets built into these things. Yeah, well, I, I worked for Aaron's, man, and uh, the rent-to-own outfit, and they're being sued because they had devices inside of their computers so that they could see where their computer was at and stuff in order to go and pick it up if they needed to, if somebody was trying to, to steal it. And, um, and they're getting sued because people were, you know, watching girls through it and stuff like right. that, and their privacy. And so, I mean, this is, this is like a real-life example that you could look at it being abused, you know, by by one corporation, and uh, you know, like how, how far down does that rabbit hole go? Well, I think it goes pretty far. Uh, Jason and I were talking on our last show, and one of the things um, one of my friends told me is that basically they did a study of three thousand people, and it turned out out of those three thousand, that a thousand of them were already already had RFIDs in them. Did you know what method that they had gotten fact, administered into their bodies? She 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 was saying that. Uh, a lot of them were through fillings and then also the vaccinations. Yep, that's the two things I'd heard too. Yeah. That's just terrifying. <laughs> it is scary. Um, so like, do you think they're really going to hook it up to people's finances and have that be the new credit card chip? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's going to be done through software. That The chip is just the identifier of who you are, it, basically your social security number. Um, that'll be tied into the databases and and the database will have all of your information. So basically, they scan your chip, and then it links up to the to the network. You know, basically the cloud, the whole huge thing with the cloud that's coming about right now. That's basically what it's going to be. All that data is going to be out there for any official to want to access who you are, and it's all going to be tied to there. And if you're naughty, this is the big thing. If you're naughty, if you thought on German thoughts, they can switch it off. Right. And uh, sorry, I know all you, we all like want to talk right now, but <laughs> well, in in Nazi Germany, they they literally tattooed. Uh, I almost want to say the slaves. Uh, they they tattooed uh, prisoners in the concentration camps 
uh, with with the number. And virtually, um, the other day, I was uh, I was driving with my friend, and I saw they're they're doing this new TV show where basically they're saying like, oh, human beings are commodities, and because like, oh, I, I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but it literally had it had a picture of a baby with a barcode on the feet. And, um, yeah, it's like, you know, you're just going to have your barcode and you just scan your barcode and, you know, it's connected to your chip and yeah, it's all digital. Yeah, I want to touch you. you. You brought up concentration camps. This is one thing. I just want to get this out because I thought of it before, too. When you said FEMA camps, uh, and people seem to not want to believe that these can be used to put prisoners in. Like, they'll be like, oh, that's, that's not what they're for. <clears throat> but in World War II, we were sticking Japanese-Americans in the camps, like you think that just because we'll we'll stick you know uh, hurricane victims in them that when when it comes time we're not going to put our own people into these things that that drives me crazy that people could deny something that has already happened here. You know the, the way that people think these days they just they're so into they're such TV heads as I like to call them they <laughs> just think that it's all science fiction it's, it's all not real and but they forget that on September 11th 2001 over 3,000 people. Did indeed die. Yep. Well, and you know, and they're not interested in the fact that uh, they they bought like thirty thousand guillotines for these camps. That the Department of Homeland Security has bought something like uh, two billion rounds of hollow point ammunition. And again, hollow point is uh, it's for civilians because it's not a uh, it won't go through Kevlar, so it's not for military. It's for it's for, to be used on civilians. It's to blow very is, large holes in people. Yeah, and the thing well, is. That these uh, these camps are called these camps are called enemy prisoner of war camps. I was talking with uh, I was talking with Nick a little bit earlier about um, one of my I guess kind of my friend. His name is George Green. Uh, do you guys know who George Green is? I do. Okay. Do you know Scott? No, <clears throat> the name sounds familiar, but well, just just to give the listening audience uh, the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, well, basically, uh, George Green was uh, a banker who rose within the ranks of the New World Order. You know, he was actually not a bad guy, but he just was very successful and was kind of willing to do... He was a businessman. Yeah, he was a businessman. Exactly right. Not an evil guy, but just willing to do whatever. Um, and pretty much they wanted to make him the the finance uh, chairman for Jimmy Carter. And he was talking with Paul Volcker, and he said, well, who's going to be the president? You know, if you want me to be finance chairman for me, he said, oh, Jimmy Carter. And he's like, oh, who's that? And he's like, oh, he's this uh, Democratic congressman. And he said, well, I vote, I vote Republican. And Paul laughed. He said, well, son, we own them both. It doesn't make a difference. And he said, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, and basically, uh, he was in a meeting with all these guys, and, you know, they, they sat him down with uh, Ted Kennedy, and he, and he was telling him what the job basically entailed. And he was saying... Uh, well, pretty much, uh, you know, we're going to send you to all the Democratic uh, national conventions, and you're going to go and you're going to raise money for us because you're real good with money, and you're going to meet a, a bunch of real, a real bunch of uh, foxy ladies. You know, it's going to be great. And then uh, just then, his uh, George's daughter walks into the room, and Ted Kennedy was like, "Wow, I, I want to go to bed with that." And he said, "Well, Ted, that's my daughter." And he said, I don't, I don't care. Oh, and, and she was 14. <laughs> yeah, he said, Ted, Ted, she's 14. And he said, so? And George was kind of, uh, he was like a gas. And so he went, he said he went into the other room and he said he saw a box of white powder and all these, uh, 
seemed like almost like laboratory equipment, and there was a maid in there, and he he, he asked her what it was, and she said, oh, that's, that's freebase equipment, because they were freebasing uh, coke and meth. And so, and he said after that, he, he didn't want to be a part of it. But basically, um, he said in, because uh, he kind of was still, you know, even though he, he turned down that job, he was still somewhat connected with these guys. And in, uh, I believe it was 1991, uh, he was asked to build, quote, an enemy prisoner of war camp in downtown Las Vegas. And he, he turned it down, but he talked to his friend, uh, Ted Gerson, who is now, uh, he was head of the FBI at the time, and now he's, uh, you know, not head of the FBI anymore. Um, but basically he said, yeah, they're building, they're building these all over the country and they've been building them for the last 30 years. And in addition to, uh, all these FEMA camps or quote, the enemy prisoner of war camps, they literally have been building, uh, these things called DUMBs, which are the deep underground military bases for, again, you know, similar, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. And the fact of the matter is that the elite, um, they're they're radiating the surface of the planet to the point where it's becoming uh, unlivable, and that's why there's such a push to go to the moon and to go to Mars and to kind of colonize different planets and the push to go underground because they have no problem killing off. Uh, I mean, they want to kill off. There's according to the, the Georgia Guidestones, they want to kill off uh, ninety to ninety-five percent of the population and you know leave the rest basically as. Uh, drones, you know, with the transhumanism, uh, and this is the whole thing where the, it's going with the chip and the uh, the nanotechnology, that's another really big issue, because they're spraying nanotechnology in the chemtrails, and um, there's some evidence to suggest that it's in some other food and, and stuff like that as well. There's um, talk that it's a um, a binary weapon, that they're, they're spraying that, and then when they're ready to do the next stage of it, they can get the other part out that will trigger whatever effect it is that they want. Uh, usually when I'm explaining a lot of this stuff to people and you kind of hit on all of that, I, I always start with like, okay, there's two words I, I need you to understand here, eugenics and transhumanism. The eugenics is for us and the transhumanism is for them. And if you want to know about eugenics, all you've got to do is start looking back to the early 20th century with Margaret Sanger and that whole uh, community of people that were pretty much absolute monsters. Nazi Germany. And then Adolf Hitler got his ideas from Margaret Sanger. He, he blatantly says that, and they used to give awards to each other and, and compliment each other on what they were doing. So he got all those ideas from Americans, and he just implemented it. And that's what these elite people want to do to us on a massive scale. Now, on the other end is transhumanism, which is what they are after for themselves, where they believe they want to merge with machines and become gods themselves. Not that they believe in a god so much as they want to become god. Yeah, check this out. If you if you uh, Google Optimum Population Trust, you can actually find the organization that a lot of like highly successful politicians belong to. You want to show? You know. So when? Like another twenty to thirty minutes. Okay. We're gonna have to edit that out. Yeah, I'll edit that out. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Russell uh, commented on, you know, the subterranean military bases, which brought up to me uh, what the hollow earth concepts. You know how the supposedly the Nazis uh, escaped to, you know, the poles and got into the uh, inside of the earth where there's the new Atlantis or whatnot. You guys have any position on that? Uh, I've heard all that before. Uh, my problem with a lot of those 
more esoteric concepts is there's no proof. There's a lot of wild theories um, that are very interesting, but documented proof is is uh, scarce to say the least. Um, I wonder if a lot of that is just disinformation meant to distract you know, us, discredit a lot of uh, well, discredit a lot of the real claims. Like you know, um, the, people are starting to actually believe in this, and they throw in like, um, well, here a reptilian shapeshifter theory, and here's a you know uh, an underground hollowed earth theory, and um, and there's no prevent. A lot of people look at that and be like, that's just absolutely insane. So then you know not following you know the actual rules of logic they just dismiss both you know you get you get caught up in the in the kind of thinking that's just what you're getting at is basically they, they'll mix bigfoot with black helicopters well i've seen black helicopters they're on marked military planes or or helicopters or vehicles even i've seen all that because they're always moving troops and supplies around and those things are real I mean, it's not yeah, that big ever, of a deal. It, like, really? Ever, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Have you, have you ever seen any of the videos of where they're they're shipping the tanks on the train lines? I've seen pictures of it. Yes. Yeah. Or, um, I mean, they also have uh, box cars that have uh, like it's something like 64 shackles per car. I've heard about that. I have people. I talk to people all over the world now, and. I mean, I'm friends with several thousand people on Facebook through all the networking I've done, just trying to meet other people who are awake to some degree or another. And people tell me things like, I'm from this little town. What on earth is the police force here doing getting this giant military vehicle that was in Iraq? What yeah, are they the needed for? The, the MRAPs. For example, but I mean, and then they're they're dressing in these giant stormtrooper outfits and everything, and you know they don't look like Andy Griffith anymore. You know they're they're dressed head to toe, ready in battle gear. It's just completely different. And what is all this stuff for? It's for well, us. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know they're loaded up with the SS uh, uniforms and the and the gas masks and everything. Um, you know, and, and it's totally. Uh, it's totally apparent, you know, in, in the media and in the movies and in the music and in the video games. Like, for example, um, there's a new Wolfenstein game, which, I, you know, I don't even know what the original one was about, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about uh, Nazis, something to do with Nazis, like fighting Nazis or, or you're, you're playing as a Nazi. I don't even know. I, I don't know that I'm not that into that kind of stuff. But literally, the, the subtitle for the game is called The New Order. And... Uh, on the picture of um, of the box for the game, it was just literally, it's all of these guys in with uh, military helmets, and they're all dressed in uh, all black, and they have glowing red eyes and gas masks, um, just like uh, Nazi Germany. So pretty much it's another example of the elite shoving their, their ideals in our face. Absolutely. Just like all the music videos and... Just the symbolism is everywhere. They're telling us what they're doing. How about Weird Al, man? What do you think of the Weird Al song, Foil? Well, you know how mainstream, I mean, to say the least, this tells you how mainstream that these concepts have become if Weird Al's making a song about it. Because he only parodies things that are massively mainstream so that people know what it is he's making Mm -hmm. fun of. So if this man is making a huge joke out of this, God only knows what other thing may or may not be behind it, but just to say that alone means that it's that mainstream. He says tinfoil hat, black helicopters, New World Order. People Illuminati. know what. It's, right, the Illuminati, yeah. and people know what it's about. 
Now, again, he lumped a bunch of stuff together like so frequently does. I usually call it the the Bigfoot and Black Helicopters thing. It's like let's just put all those things together and make it sound ludicrous. Right, with the moon landing. With the moon landing, right. And a lot of those theories have certain valid points and and then there's other things that aren't very valid. But the whole idea is they ridicule everything so that the average person who might just be taking a cursory glance at it just thinks, well, that's Looney Tunes stuff. So I think that's the gonna... against it. So going around, I mean, do we do we all think it's a net positive that foil uh, video or net negative? Negative. Why negative? Well, my take on it is that anything that puts information out there and gets people looking at things can't be a bad thing. Right. So, Jason, you say it's a net net positive. I think it is. I have no idea what the what his true intention is. Uh, I mean, Weird Al is, is definitely not bad boy rock star kind of guy. He's just a comedian. Um, everything I've ever seen about him is he's a pretty normal dude with a just wicked sense of humor. And I've always enjoyed his material. I've always laughed at it. So, minimally, looking at what he did in that video, somebody out of curiosity might go, Black Helicopters, Illuminati. New World Order, and get on a search engine and start looking those things up. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Well, here, here's the thing. I think it's definitely like a sign of uh, you know how, how far the information has come. Like we could look at that, and it's a, it's a measurement. So it doesn't matter if it's a, I don't think as much, whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing or what, you know, Weird Al's, uh, you know, what, what he was trying to accomplish with it. I think it just shows that it's, it's that famous, it's that out there. So, I mean, it, it, it at least gives you an idea that, you know, how far the information has come from nobody knowing about it. I mean, in, in 2009, I didn't know so much, you know, and I got turned on to it and I went down the rabbit hole. Uh, and, and now it's like common knowledge. Well, that's exactly it. When he was making fun of Michael Jackson in the 80s, he couldn't do a song like this. But today, it's everywhere. So that, that tells you something like that, you know, that the concepts have shifted in, in uh, the public consciousness. Well, to a, to a degree, but I, I would argue that what they're doing is by, by bringing it all out into the open, they're saying, well, what are you going to do about it? This is the reality. What are you going to do about it? They're just like shoving it down your throat. They do that anyway. Absolutely. Well, I, under, I understand that. Katy Perry is the great example I always use. You know, she, she did a performance on, uh, I believe it was the VMA awards. Um, for her show, uh, excuse me, for her video, Dark Horse, and the Dark Horse that um, I believe the other person's name was Juicy J comes out and is identical, and I mean identical, to the Dark Horse of the Apocalypse, which is Death, that's in the Denver right. Airport. Right. Yeah. So exactly. it's it's getting yeah. it's getting to the point of absolute that it's in our face now. If, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, they are telling you, yes, we rule you. Yep. Or how about the. Uh... Yeah, well, not only, yeah, you mentioned the Denver airport and the uh, the runways are in the shape of a swastika and all the murals in the airport and, and the gargoyles and stuff. But I was going to mention, too, um, how about the uh, the Olympic ceremony in, uh, I guess it was 2012? And, you know, and the whole thing with the 2012, the way they did it, it's spelled Zion. <laughs> yes, I saw that. So it looks looks to me like they're ju- it's just a further example of saying, hey, guess who's in control? We are, not you. Of course, yeah, and, and at the ritual or... The ceremony, I should say, but it was ri- really it was a ritual. Like it was very strange. They, uh, well, I mean, you know, when you understand this stuff, you you know what's going on. But basically, 
they it was all these uh it was like hospital beds and these like dead babies and these like ghostly nurses and then they had they rolled out um a uh, like a huge octopus with its like tentacles wrapping over everything and it's like oh my god and i was like i was asking my mom about that and she's like yeah i thought it was a little strange <laughs> it's like people like they're like you know, it's so weird and bizarre that it's like it's it's agitating and irritating to people, but at the same time, they also don't want you to talk about it either. No, well, this is the thing about the average person, if you want to call them that. I have numerous times pointed out to people when I see the tic tac toe crisscrossing chemtrails in the sky that linger for hours. Oh, and, sure. And I point it out to people, just nobody I know, just saw someone straight. Hey, what do you think of that? And they look up, and like, oh, that's just airplane trails. I'm like, no. No, that's that's not airplane trails. Have you has anybody watched the History Channel lately? Uh, you used to have shows about history on it, and now I mean, you have I don't know how many shows about Bigfoot and like a marathon, like looking into the history of of Bigfoot, and on the Discovery Channel too, I believe. So I mean, you have a, a, a nation with the mentality that eats up watching all these shows about. Bigfoot, and uh, and that kind of lets you know, I mean, who we're dealing with here. So it, it doesn't surprise me when people deny stuff that's in plain sight, and then they they go and they watch a show about Bigfoot because you know they they want to see Bigfoot and they're hoping that it this just sounds like more distraction. That's all it sounds like. It's just more distraction. They have one reality show but it on works, there, and that's the problem. Well, it, what's interesting to me is they have one reality show. I don't recall what its what what its name is on, on. I don't even know which network it is. If it was History or Discovery, one of those. But they're basically a, a group of guys that are going out and chasing Bigfoot. They never, ever, ever, ever find anything ever. <laughs> How do you keep the show going? But people watch it. I mean, obviously the ratings are enough that the show is continuing. Well. The the word entertainment means that you're being detained while something enters you. <laughs> well, I never knew that. Mm. Nick, you, you seem to be a little newer to this. What have you noticed as far as the, the symbolism and the programming that goes on in the uh, entertainment? You know, I there's certain stuff like the pirate imagery, I think is something that you know, it's like those sim those symbols that I've known since I was a kid, but don't know why I knew them. And then it's like the only organization that's like filled with adults that uses that as their official symbol is like the skull and cross crossbones or something, or these occult secret societies. Yeah, man. I mean, that's what's that's what's crazy is like these these signs that I've known my whole life happen to be like the main symbols for these terrible organizations. So, like owls, how about all the zombie movies? Very, very popular these days. A, Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman actually had a show about, you know, the science behind the zombie apocalypse and how it could actually happen. A whole our show with Morgan Freeman on the Science Channel about this is how a zombie apocalypse will happen. It's uh, absolutely yeah. possible. I, I have to make I have to make a point here. Um, when I was uh, when I was being detained or well, pretty much it's like you were being arrested 
on the 5150 in California, which is the for potential suicide or whatever, because my ex uh, called my mom and my mom called the cops. Uh, in the police station that I was in, they had a uh, one of these uh, ZERT zombie emergency response team things posted in in the police station, and it was like number fifty four or whatever it was. Hey, serious? Um, and to me, yeah. Um, and so I thought that was really strange. And I don't know. You could tell, like maybe they they kind of thought it was like a joke, but I mean, it was in the it was in the police station, so they don't post most things in the police station as like really a joke. It's like official. Um, and one of the other things I wanted to mention is also how they're they're starting to bring all this stuff with uh, aliens into the mainstream, like on TV and stuff like that. Like, um, well, I don't watch TV, but when I was in the mental hospital, it was always on. And on the Kardash, like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, they had a whole show where they were they were alien hunting. And then on on another show, which is like it's like the new version of like MTV's like America's Funniest Home Videos, like updated with like. I don't know, Justin Bieber was one of the guests and like stuff like that. You know, they do it with like the celebrities, like the teeny bopper celebrities. Uh, the guy who was hosting the show, he had a shirt on that had a picture of Ray on it and it said, believe. <laughs> X-Files. Yeah. Well, so do you think it's like Project Ruby, like they're going to un- unveil in the near future some sort of like false flag alien invasion that's possible but they really can only pull that off on a big scale once so I would think they're holding that card till they're ready but by getting it into the I, mask I agree with you. right so when they are ready to really because it's going to be a move that will totally befuddle a lot of people a lot of people are going to be like, oh, my God, that this is real. Because from everything I, I've come to understand, they can pull that off now with holograms. And when uh, do, you, do you guys know? Do you guys know? Uh, sorry. Go ahead, Russell. Um, yeah, do you guys know about really... Carol Rosen? No. Go ahead and explain she that. Worked with, uh, she worked with Werner Von Braun. Um, anybody can look it up on YouTube. It's called... Uh, False Flag Alien Invasion, The Last Card, and, and you can find it under Carol Rosen or whatever. And she basically, um, she talked about how she worked with Werner Von Braun, and in his last few years of life, he had a change of heart, and he basically, he really made a point to explain to her the agenda and how they were going to use all of this, um, this whole thing with talking about different, different threats and how we would need space-based weapons. And that ultimately, the final card was that they were going to pull a false flag alien invasion to basically implement the new world order. And they've had there have been many presidents that have uh, alluded to this, and also like Paul Krugman, who's an economist, uh, said, "Oh, it would be really good for our, our economy if <laughs> this happened." Like all this different stuff. So yeah, it is. Uh, they have definitely put it out there. And it is possible. And and the biggest thing for people to realize is it's not that um, we're going to be invaded by aliens. It's that we've already been invaded by aliens. They're already here. And so this is just a, um, a huge psyop. Well, did you notice in the remake of War of the Worlds, the concept was not that they were coming, but they were already here, waiting. Right, 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 right. I, I noticed yeah, that was thing- one subtle change, yeah. but that was – think about the implication of that. Well, sure. And, and they were underground. Uh, and another movie that I wanted to cite earlier was uh, Minority Report, when we were talking about 1984, right? Pre-crime? Pre-crime, yes. Pre-crime. I love that movie, man. 
Just think about all the all these ideas that they're putting out though into the into the mainstream consciousness. Well, sure. It's like one of the things that Jordan says is that basically Hollywood does three things: tells you what uh, our masters have done, what they're doing, and what they plan to do, and we finance it by going to see the movie, and then we're also subtly indoctrinated into the future that they want to create or the past that they want us to believe. So it's one big win for them. Oh, of course, and people love it. Well, let's also talk about why they do that. It's they believe in this sympathetic magic thing where they have to um, use the symbols and create uh, the idea of what it is they they want. So when they actually go and do it, it, it it's more powerful. Well, and not only that, but one of the rules of the Illuminati is that basically they have to they have to on some level or somewhere or in some way tell you what they plan to do, and so that way they can say that they're essentially honoring free will because you've gone along with it willingly. And right. so it's sort of, from a karmic sense, it's like it takes some of the pressure off of them because they get people to do it to themselves. Well, they consider us ignorant, the profane. We, we don't know what's going on. Look, we told you. We told you we were going to do this, and you were okay with it. We put these GMOs out there, yet you eat it. We put fluoride in the water, yet you drink it. Right, and you never stand up. So I guess it's like you're, you're, that's pretty much your vote. You know, I remember at Walmart, uh, they had water. It was called nursery water, and it was water with fluoride. Still out there. I just saw it the other day. Parents, well, check it out, though. Like, parents, no, because you have to buy baby toothpaste that doesn't have fluoride because... The baby's not supposed to swallow even that little bit right. of toothpaste with fluoride in it. But here's them. some water. So that, yeah, so here's some water for them to guzzle. And people can't put two and two together in this country. I mean, we're dealing with people that, they, and maybe it's not that they can't think, but it's that they won't think to put these things together. The, the, the level of you know, critical thinking in, in this country, it disgusts me. Like, you can't follow... A simple, like, logical line to, to draw a conclusion from A to B. Two plus two equals four. You know? Five. Can't have this little... <laughs> How about it? <laughs> well, the, um, thing, the thing is, that, like, like you said, um, maybe it's not that they can't see it, or it's, it's just that the implications of seeing it are just too frightening because, um, you know, there are none so blind as those who choose not to see and I think really the attitude is just uh, just stick your head in the sand. And I think the people that do see it, and this is one of the things that I come across all the time, and I mean the whole New Age movement is propagated by Satanists. And basically one of the tenets of the New Age is that like what you resist persists or what you put your attention into, you strengthen. And so basically people are like, oh, if you look at this stuff, you're giving it power and you're making that your reality and all this different stuff. And it's just totally bogus. It's like... No, because the thing is that what you have to do is you have to light, you have to light up the darkness, and the way that you light it is by talking about it or researching it or looking at it. You know, knowledge gonna, is power. Knowledge is power, and and you know if you're in the dark, it's because you you have no knowledge, and so therefore you have no power. And wisdom is knowledge applied. However, there is you know, a I do counter have to say on this point, though. I, I have to say before I get interrupted is that knowing is only half the battle. I, I kind of get from a lot of what I see on the Internet, and, and people think that knowing and letting other people know is the whole deal. You know? No, 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 no you're, you're absolutely right, because ultimately, like I said, wisdom is knowledge applied. And, you know, you can know, um, you can know how to, uh, 
urinate, but if you don't do it, you're going to die. You can know how to drink water, but if you don't do it, you're going to die. You can know how to eat food, but if you don't do it, you're going to die. You know, so the point is that knowing is not enough, and ultimately all this knowledge has to lead to some kind of a collective action where people say no more. We know the truth, and we're not going to put up with it anymore, but that hasn't happened as of yet. Nick, you're going to say something? Well, I guess I I would just make a further point that um, one of the things, uh, you know, obviously what we're looking at to a degree is Hegelian dialectic, where, you know, it's problem, reaction, solution, formula, and kind of what David Icke calls the the totalitarian tiptoe, in that you basically roll out the stuff slow enough so that people, they don't really see it, and basically, you know, you do one little thing, and you do another little thing, and you do another little thing, and you see what the reaction is, and if and if there isn't enough pushback, then you just keep rolling out the next thing. And this also and, goes with their ordo ob chao, right? Order absolutely. out of chaos, cause all the trouble, and then people will demand a solution of you. Right, right. Well, and this is you know, and that's why we always have these false flags. Um, and basically, it's akin to the well, not exactly a metaphor, but how literally you can, um, if you throw a, a frog in a pot of boiling water, it will hop out. But if you put a frog in a pot of cold water it will stay in, and if you turn up the heat slowly, it will literally boil to death, and that's what they're doing to us. Right. Yeah, here's what I learned through, uh, you know, I, I was in unions, and I did volunteer work where I was on committees and things, and you basically have to introduce things to people gradually. If you try and throw a radical idea onto, onto a committee where people get to vote, they're going to shoot it down, and it's out of fear of change. But if you if you start to just maybe bring up the topic and open forum and talk about it. And then maybe down the road a little bit, once people are comfortable with that, you start with the, the first small part of the plan. It's a gradual change and people are more comfortable with that. And by the time you get towards the end of it, it seems the obvious thing to do to everybody. Right. Like it was their idea. Like it was their idea. Like it was their idea in the first place. They feel like this is what we've been working on since the beginning, you know, and these are the people that shot it down in the beginning. So I learned that firsthand, and that's, I mean, that's what is being done every day, you know, especially in this country, just the gradual taking away of freedoms, you know, the, the gradual change of language into laws. Like one of the things that uh, was a big deal was, uh, I forget what the Cyberbullying Act, they called it, and they were worried about the language in there being, uh, being able to be abused, you know, and this, this is only like fringe thinkers that thought this. Yeah, the, the, the Cyberbullying Act... Was uh, it was an act because you know kids were killing themselves. I actually, had about my hometown of uh, Pittston, Pennsylvania, actually had two suicides in a week, and they they found out that it was because of bullying. Now, the cyberbullying act was you know proposed because I, some girl that got popularity that ended up killing herself because of the bullying over you know social media, and the language in it was really you know straightforward about being exactly that and uh what some of the fringe thinkers in in different you know internet internet based news were uh were worried about was that this was a precedent that it was going to set where you know next time maybe you strengthen the language you know and then the time after that and it just kind of was getting that foot in the door to to be able to take away first amendment rights and and like I said, if you read the Cyberbullying Act, it seems straightforward, and you would never think that it was you know it could be used to uh, to totally strip somebody of their First Amendment rights. But it's it's again it's it's letting that first step be taken, and then you're on the first step towards a gradual change. Well, like now we have out in the European. 
Yeah, in the European Union, you could be imprisoned for four years for Holocaust denial. Now, that doesn't mean you say the Holocaust didn't happen. Like, that would be an obvious one. But if you say, I don't think it was six million Jews, you could do four years in prison for that. And, uh, and out here now, you know, with it, let's, uh, 9-11 is a big thing. And if you have that, that First Amendment right from the Cyberbullying Act, you have, you have that, that first foot in the door. Well, who's to say that 10 or 20 years down the road, we're not going to be looking at four-year sentences for saying, I think 9-11 was an inside job? Well, well sure. I, I wanted to make a point about uh, going, kind of going back to Nazi Germany. Well, one of the things, um, well, first of all, one of the things that Hitler said was basically if you want to destroy any country, first uh, disarm its citizens because then they can't stop you. Um, another thing that they said about the nature of propaganda is that in order for propaganda to be, for it to work successfully, you have to make the lie big because most people would never think to lie big. And so the, the bigger the lie, the more believable it is. And another thing that was said in Nazi Germany, I forget specifically who said it, but basically they said... Uh, you know, getting getting the citizens to go to war is easy. All you have to do is basically uh, say that there there is some kind of outside threat, and that you you denounce anybody who is a pacifist as basically um, you know a terrorist because you're saying, well, you're you're basically going to make it so that we all get killed. <laughs> right. You don't want to defend the the, uh, the fatherland. Well, yeah. I mean, it was Hitler that came up with the whole concept of homeland security, and you know, here we go. That's how I feel about so many people in America. It's like I'm terrified that you are responsible for my personal freedom because these bunch of do-nothings that won't put their Starbucks down to stand for their beliefs, how, how are they going to be willing to do what it takes? They're not. The, the problem is, the reality, I should say, is no matter how hard we try, we're not going to be able to save everybody. That's just the facts. Like, there's going to be people who are going to want to keep their head in the sand and go, la, 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 it's not happening. And, you know, we, of course, want to try and wake up as many people as possible, but I don't think we're going to save everybody. Yeah, I actually had, I have a friend um, from, uh, from over in Northern Europe, and I was talking to her, and, and her, her big idea was just to decide not to participate. And I was like, do you, do you think that the Jews wanted to participate in the Holocaust? Like, that's not, that's not even a reasonable idea. You know, she's a good friend, and she's beautiful, but you can't change people's minds on some ideas that it's just, you can't just decide not to participate. It's like saying, you know, I don't want to participate in this rape. You know, you don't, you don't get to choose if you're being raped. You either fight back or you just lay down and take it. Well, certainly well, sure. when it comes to a physical thing, it's you cannot choose not to participate because then you're just going to get run over whatever they're doing to you. People are choosing not to participate and, and <laughs> like awake people, people that know they're they're choosing not to participate. They're anti, you know, any kind of action. And uh, and when you say when you say violence, people are are, are terrified. You know, but even even activism, stuff that we used to do and not be afraid to do. I posted I, I posted a petition just to uh to, to for people to sign, and somebody actually commented on it like yeah. And then you get put on a government list, and the FBI comes to your house and questions you. And I was like, it's it's a petition. You know, like are you you're that afraid that you won't sign a petition? Yeah, but you're you're like God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I did a petition too for. Uh 
basically to repeal all the cannabis and hemp laws, and people wouldn't know when I got like nine signatures. You did one on um, the White House website? Yeah, the whitehouse.gov, and no one wanted to sign it because they were like, oh, I don't want to go on the list. I don't want to be on the list. Well, that, that tells you everything right there. Hey, so actually, I'm trying to look up right now a wow. petition at whitehouse.gov that I signed that was basically trying to get 144,000 people to welcome the Palladians into, like, I guess, intervening. Um, that, that's biblical stuff, man. 144,000, you know, saints going to heaven to sit by Jesus' side and all Isn't that. Is that a Jehovah's now, Witness people thing? Are, yeah, yeah, it's Jehovah's Witnesses, and and it sounds like the the Palladians are 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 trying to uh, you know rope in that the you know that these Palladians that are coming, they're they're God, so that's what you know the Bible is for. So we're gonna show 144,000 of our best to them. It's funny how all these all these religious concepts they could never free themselves of one another. I think the only original idea that that has been out is probably Scientology. And that's right off the rails. But at least, hey, here's to you for originality, you know? Well, it was created by a science fiction writer who blatantly said, writing for a penny a word is ridiculous. Make, make more money by getting everyone to believe in a religion. Well, and he was also, he was also, he was also a Satanist, too. He was a pretty bad guy. Yeah. He was also, uh, it's rumored that he was a, a child molester, and yep. that that's why he took off on his fleet of ships that he bought and sailed off into the ocean never to return. He just sent people in for supplies when he needed them. Yeah, after, yeah. Uh, after stealing uh, Jack Parsons' girlfriend. What's appalling to me is that people actually fall for this, knowing that like this is the public details about this religion, if you want to call it that, yet people still go for it. Well, it doesn't. Well, Tom, it, Tom yeah. Cruise is a Scientologist, and and so is John Travolta. So who who you'd argue with them? Well, it, do, it doesn't. Even, uh, yeah. <laughs> They're famous. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like what the facts are anymore. I mean, look, you know, you can mention about Project Paperclip to people. First of all, people have never heard of it. Second of all, like people don't care. You know, you can mention Iran Contra to people, um, and people say, "Well, eh. Ollie North." Yeah, they say, "Well, I don't, I don't know about all that." <laughs> Well, that's just more deniability that people are just not wanting to take personal account for themselves. They just want to deny, deny, deny. And again, we, as we've discussed this evening, they're throwing so much crap out there that things do get convoluted. It gets cloudy. People don't know what to, to make of things. That's why I usually when I discuss topics, I try and stick to things that are documented, things that like have documented evidence and proof. Yeah, you start talking about the police setting up zombie squads and stuff, and and it, it, it um people view that in a certain way, and it wouldn't even matter if you had proof of something like that. You could you know have a videotape where you have five zombies being shot by the police, and nobody'd believe it. They'd just think it was fake. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta kind of walk like tread softly. On, on a lot of topics. Well, well, like sure. I know that. Well, yeah, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. No, 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 you didn't. Well, I, I think I interrupted you actually. But I was just going to mention. Um, remember that whole story about like the people in, who were taking like bath salts and then started like eating people. Did you Did you guys hear about that? Yes. Yeah, it happened in Florida. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, that that was right. I remember seeing seeing the news on it. The guy took the bath salts. They were both two naked guys, and uh, and the one was eating the other one's face. <laughs> and the cops had to cops had to put him down. That was no joke, man. Well, I'm just saying. You don't catch know, me doing bath salts. I'm I'm saying you know we're talking about zombies, but uh, yeah, you know, isn't that what zombies do? Yeah, they actually, and, and it's one of the movies, 28 Days Later, it's more like a, a super rabies kind of virus, and then there was uh, there was another movie that I can't can't think of the name of it, but this, the, Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman, basically what they were talking about, that it would, it would be something viral that would shut down the higher brain functions, and, uh, and they would just become like mindless, you know, like rabid, Rabbit humans. Well, sure. There's, a, there's, yeah. There's a million movies like that. Like there was that one that was Resident Resident Evil. It was based off of, like the video game. With like it was another yeah. thing with like a virus and you know there's so many movies or video games or everything that talk about like these like post apocalyptic societies where there's like some virus or some outbreak or it's like an alien invasion or there's like a mutation and something goes like horribly wrong and all of a sudden it's like it's like people having to like fight for survival against, like, other people, and there's, like, this crazy, like, police force, and the military takes over, and there's, like, martial law, and everyone is, like, hiding out, and, yeah, I mean, these are common themes. And what is it exactly they're trying to tell us with these concepts go being put out there? Get ready. Yeah, I'd, I'd be so I'd be actually kind of excited if they used zombies. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a zombie fan. I'm telling you, I'm ready for a zombie apocalypse. It'd be, it'd be fun. So I think I think a lot of people would actually be kind of happy that it was zombies. Do you know, As opposed I, to what the, these movies though. The one thing I've always thought about when I've seen these shows and these movies is that the people aren't realistically responding to it. If you literally saw a dead body clawing your, its way towards you. I'm pretty sure you'd freak out a heck of a lot more, at least most people would, than generally happens in these movies or TV shows. Well, that's why they're, they're <laughs> movies. You know? Well, right, exactly. But what I'm saying is if they're trying to depict something, I would think that most people's sense of reality would be snapping at that point. Well, the thing is that most people's sense of reality is, is snapping at this point. I mean, people have no basis on what reality actually is. And so the thing is, you never know. People are so desensitized that they don't even believe their own eyes. I mean, you point chemtrails out to people, and they don't know. You know, you, you tell people about like plain facts, or you, you, people's reason is gone. It's like they're, it's like everyone has been almost like lobotomized practically from the fluoride and the food and everything else. You know, you might be right about that because they, the, the violence that we see in movies for decades now, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse over the years. You know, the things that you would see in a '70s movie, it's that much worse in an '80s movie, and it's that much worse in a '90s movie, and then in up to modern times, it's just, they'll show anything now, and people are just kind of seeing these images and sinking in, it's just like, eh, no big deal. Well, it's the, it's the, video, it's the video game culture, and, you know, all the games are so violent and everything, and, and you know, you can, uh, you can kill people remotely with drones and stuff, and really, um, yeah, people are just so desensitized to it. And those things are going on for real, and no one complains. Right, and I mean, look at look at what's happening in the Middle East right now. How like the Israeli genocide of the Palestinians, and, and uh, people are are pro Israel. You know, they're like, fuck the these sand niggers and stuff. It's it's unbelievable. I want to chime in on the chemtrails, and I know that a lot of people, it's obvious they they you totally lose their attention with the chemtrails when you start talking about them spraying nanotechnology, and it's because that. 
is a topic for most people that is just it's too new. That couldn't happen yet. Well, they probably don't understand the concept either. Don't forget. So it's well, over their heads. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of little nuances that that will turn people off, and that's I mean that's one that I'm pointing out here, and I like to point out little things like that because I, I think once once we get our heads really into all this stuff and we understand these concepts, we kind of have we kind of talk down to people with a lot of this stuff, not and not realizing like where the disconnect is with them, and I think that you know as the truth movement goes forth, we're going to have to start having you know a, a more a better understanding of where that disconnect is with people and why they're shutting off when we when we start talking about certain concepts. Well, the very sad reality is that the dumbing down of society has been going on for decades and it's gotten to the point where a lot of people are just so into themselves. They're so self-centered that it really just doesn't matter because they're only about their own self-gratification. Well, it's a narcissistic world. You know, everyone's taking selfies and they're on their iPhone or their iPad or the me, 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 me. You know, well, Western my, culture, my yes. Well, sure. Well, but Eastern culture in another way is like, well, people have no identity. It's like, you know, oh, my family says to do this and you got to go to school and be a doctor and marry. You pay your student loans. That's right. one of the biggest things that ropes people in. I oh, mean, yeah. they're terrified. Uh, they, they can't leave their jobs and go and become, an, you know, be an activist like in the '60s. You know, the people weren't they weren't like covered in so much debt from going to college. So these college students would go and and uh, you know their parents paid for college for them or whatever. So stuff was handled, you know, and they could go out and and do what they wanted to do with their lives. Now you got to study hard and you got to work two jobs because you got to pay off your student loans. You know, and everything's so expensive. So. It's, it it kind of takes you out of that. I know that I was shut down for a while. I was uh, I was managing a rent-to-own store out in uh, Chicago, Illinois, and I was working up to 80 hours a week. And when I got home, like I didn't have time to do a lot of stuff or read a lot of stuff, so I was really disconnected. And, and I think that that really you know deals the the fatal blow to to a lot of people who might otherwise you know be active in this stuff because they don't have time for it. You know. They, they have to tread water in their own life. Well, that's exactly what they've done, though. They've made things uh, so expensive that you have to work so hard if you want to maintain this uh, traditional American lifestyle of the house, two, you know, two cars and kids and all this stuff. That's why a lot of uh, – you see immigrants, even legitimate ones – you know, Mexicans, for example, they'll all live a bunch of people in one house because it's, it's not all about having the biggest bling. You know, they're all about helping each other and having this communal family, which is the way things used to be in America, too, in, in especially in older times. You know, the big farming families and several generations living under one roof. Well, well, sure. Like George, like George Carlin said, he said it's called the American dream because you have to be asleep to believe it. And ultimately, you know, and ultimately he talked about uh, how it's a big club and you ain't in it. You know, you and I are not in the big club. And he said, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with when they tell you what to think, what to believe, and what to buy. You know, he said, the table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged, but nobody seems to notice and nobody seems to care. And, you know, you know, he basically said, good, good hardworking Americans, you know, it doesn't whether it's white collar, blue collar, it doesn't matter what color or shirt you have on. And basically we're being, we're being fucked. And, uh, you know, you know, basically, uh, or to sum it up in Bill, with Bill Hicks, um, you are free to do as we tell you. Yeah. 
Now shut up. Eat this. Watch American Gladiators. Go back to sleep, America. Your, Your government, government is in control. control. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sad because it's true. But it's also funny because no one cares. Well, I think that's uh, where that concept was coming from. Bill Hicks was, you know, almost like from a ironic point of view, pointing all these things out. He was doing it as his shtick, but in reality, he, the guy knew what was going on. And what he was saying 20, over 20 years ago now is just as true, if not more true today. And go back and watch those videos of him. He was nailing a lot of stuff, especially at the end of his career. Back into the left. <laughs> you know, I had uh, one of my jobs that I was at. I had a couple of guys working under me, and the one guy was was black. And we were talking about how um, I mean, we we got along real well, and you know, it was it was a team to me. I wasn't one of those guys that you know abused my employees and thought that you know I was I was above them and all this. And and uh, I said, you know, I still I still work for the man. And he uh, and he said to me, "Yeah, we're all niggers now." And I think, I think that that really hit the nail on the head. And I always liked, you know, the fact like I couldn't say that, but he he was able to say it, and it, it summed it up in a nutshell. Yep. Yeah. One of the things uh, Russell Means, who is a he's a Native American activist, he's he basically said, uh, "Welcome to the reservation." You know, you're the new American Indian. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, we're all being taken advantage of now and and nothing is being given to us at this point if anything they're taking more away and the the socialized medicine is the next step in how they're going to control us and clamp down because now they're going to tell us what what we can and can't put in our bodies and how we can take care of ourselves obama scam yeah well i mean that's been the trend for a long time you know because at the end of the day if you don't own your own body you can't decide how to take care of yourself and what you can eat or what you can drink or you know if you want to smoke cigarettes or you want to smoke weed or whatever i mean that's it should be a choice in theory i mean cigarettes obviously <laughs> you know should be growing your own tobacco not buying uh you know from these companies or whatever but in theory regardless you know even if you want to jump off a bridge i mean it should be your choice it's your body is it but no the rothschilds uh own you because of the uh Maritime Admiralty Law and UCC and the whole thing with the birth certificates and social security numbers and, and all of it. It's a, it's a mess. Just to kind of back that up, when I was really doing a lot of research, and I believe this was around 2007, finding Jordan Maxwell videos, little little short clip that's still very popular today where they discuss those very topics. And I was like, really? So couldn't find my birth certificate right at hand, but I had my social security card on me, so... I go on fidelity.com. I follow the instructions I saw on a website and I looked up my stock too. I found it. It was, it was a uh, $17 and, and some odd cents a share. It, oh, mine's worth, mine's worth more. Uh, uh, probably because your family's uh, worth more. No, I'm just joking. Well, it doesn't matter. It's not like I own it anyway. It's, that's the crazy thing. It's uh well, there's probably, uh, if I had to, to speculate, there's probably uh, grades of stock. And if your, your family, when you're born is worth more money, they probably come out, you know, get put on the world market at a higher value i would i would speculate it's crazy if you think about it wait what are you guys talking about <laughs> see that's that's what most most people think the same thing that you're thinking nick man what are you guys talking about and then they they roll you know they just their eyes glaze over because they don't care it doesn't it doesn't affect them they can't see it so well russell I mean, you're, I, you're, I don't know you're the new jordan maxwell you know you're the young jordan maxwell up and coming so why don't you explain to nick exactly what we're talking about Okay. Well, what's, what's the 
especially what's the practical application to this? I mean, that's the thing that I never understood. Like, I've seen the stuff on paper, and I've looked, I've looked this stuff up and found it, found out, you know, what my worth was. And I, I just don't understand what the practical application is to this. So, if you could hit that while you're talking about it, because that's that's what I always look for in any anything that we're looking into like this. Like, what's what's the purpose of it? Is does this even matter? How does it matter to me? So sure. Well, I guess you know this is a it's a huge it's a huge issue, but at the end of the day, um, money is basically debt. You know, you have these Federal Reserve notes, which are they're debt they're debt notes. On the on it, it says this is payable for all debts, public and private. So there's nothing backing the currency. Uh, after 1933, this country went broke. That's why we had to have a new deal. You know, and they took all the gold and repriced it. Uh, and it ultimately went to the bankers because they were the ones who were loaning money to the country. And so ultimately they said, all right, if you want us to continue financing you, uh, what are you going to put up as collateral? And they said, well, we're going to put up the people because that's all they had left. And so pretty much we were all we were all sold into slavery before we were born. And the thing is that there are two kinds of law. There is the law of the land, which changes depending on where you go. And then there's the law of the water, which is banking law. It's maritime law. And basically, uh, you know, kind of how Jordan explained it is like, well, how can America trust China to do business with them there, or, or, or any country to do business with another country? There has to be some kind of a, a law that applies across the whole world. And that's, um, that's what UCC is, which is Uniform Commercial Code, which was basically established under Caesar. And pretty much the thing is that when a ship pulls into harbor, it pulls into its berth. That's B-E-R-T-H. And it, it pulls into the dock where it, it unloads and delivers its product. And that's why uh, you're born in a delivery room and you, you have a dock tour and you, you are birthed and you're basically a maritime admiralty product and your body literally uh, is, is incorporated and turned into a bond. And there's this whole thing now about how corporations are people and, well, virtually people are also corporations. And that's why uh, any kind of financial document you have, it's always in all capital letters. Because what that represents is, is it's a corporation. And so I guess that's- going back to the, the practical application of this, is it's just, it's just showing you how literally the monetary system is enslaving us. And, and realistically, people believe that we need money. And the thing is that we don't really need money per se. I mean, I understand the whole concept of it and how it can maybe, maybe like make sense. But the problem is that as long as we have a monetary system, we'll never be free because somebody's always going to be in control of it and use it to their advantage. And ultimately, perhaps in a, in a resource-based economy or, you know, if, if we could basically get people to kind of work together, you know, and everybody would chip in and, and contribute in some way or have some kind of a skill or, or whatever, you know. I mean, how did the Native Americans live before we came over? They, they sort of seemed to be doing all right before we uh, rolled over with our money and our muskets and the uh, smallpox blankets and uh, killed all the, uh, the buffalo and put them all in the camps. I want to jump in on uh, corporations being being a person. That's It's not new. There's actually... Um, there's a Canadian documentary called The Corporation that is fantastic that uh, that explains that and it shows you the way that corporations basically control our government through lobbying and and you know basically owning senators 
and um, it's it's an incredible movie. If you haven't seen it, I definitely look it up. I, I uh, I'm not sure if you can get it on Netflix or if you'd have to do an internet search and actually find it elsewhere. But but if you haven't seen the corporation, you you must. Well, the idea behind all this is that you're a corporation, and this is how they do business. So everyone's doing business with each other through these corporate identities, and that's how they control you. Right. And, and one of the I, you know I think it's 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 more I, I just want to stop you there because it's it's more that the people who work for the corporation are protected. That's why they don't go to jail when it comes to things like this because the corporation is the person. And the corporation has to be punished, and the corporation is responsible. Now it's not a real thing; it's an idea, but it has person status according to the law, and that's why when when you kill a hundred thousand people. You know, or I don't even remember how many GM has uh, has killed or put in danger, at least. But it's not it, the, the people who are running the show at the time don't have to face any consequences. The corporation gets fined rather than them going to jail, and that's what the big deal is about. You know, a corporation being a person, and and the corporations they they have been trying and 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 succeeding at you know in in courts fighting for hum- like human rights in certain aspects, like things that only people are supposed to have as a privilege, like the corporations are getting that. And you could, you could Google that and, uh, and see some of the examples. But I'll, I'll stop there, you guys. We've, yeah, we've had a good conversation for over an hour now. I think we got a lot of good information out there. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us tonight. This is Secrets of Saturn. We'll see you again. <laughs>